Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin Conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Thomas Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Yeah, I like that it happens. It's happening alongside Bitcoin. So like, you know, we came in, when I came into spaces, you know, Bitcoin was banging, you know, it had already, you know, I was already late to spaces. I came like midway through the summer, like last year. And then, uh, you know, now we're in this long crab, you know, sideways action, but kind of slow boogie, you know, back and forth. So, you know, I mean, we haven't even seen spaces when it like really dips, you know, so uh for like a prolonged period like we've had before and then have like a nice comeback and then everybody's strapping in we're about to blast off again to the next epoch so yeah to your point man it'd be cool to see how we all go through you know now that we're all kind of hanging out through this together it's going to be interesting to see how it goes you know I love it. There's so many people who are freaking out about it too. They're like, Oh my gosh, it's not doing anything. Um, I was watching this one interview. I forget what news station, but sailor was on and the, the host of the show, the anchor woman was like, well, it's kind of stuck at 40 K and I'm thinking you damn right. It is like, please, please stay stuck at 40 K for at least another year. It's time to accumulate further. Because you don't get it. So yeah, they'd, they'd be happy too if they really understood it. <laughs> but see, you know, here's the the hilarious part. The irony of it all is she thinks she's being snarky and smart. She thinks she's shitting on it because it's it's in her mind stuck at forty k, and all the bitcoiners are like, yeah. Awesome. All the big quarters are like, go lower, please, please go lower. <laughs> She's like, wait, why? <laughs> Don't speculate, accumulate, baby. That's the way to do it. That's right. It's still early, right? Like, you know, for those of you who are new to Bitcoin, and you're like, oh my gosh, I missed it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Still early. When you have anchor women on on TV shitting on it. Guess what? Still early. <laughs> Huge asymmetric trade potential. I'm buying at all prices right now. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to a gold space last night. There was like this gold space. I don't know, uh, you know, the guy. I've never seen it before. Um, but apparently they put on this gold space all the time. And a bunch of the maxis came and crashed it last night. I didn't speak. I was in the audience. But like, you know, just listening to those guys talk and going back and forth. I remember I was tweeting Uncle Jim on the side, like, it's so fucking early. Yeah, yeah I, I was this. listening to his, uh, 
I missed it. That would have been a great space to do it. Yeah, it was last night. It was just last night. I was just saying, I was uh, in the car. It was pretty good. I've been sensing an uptick in toxicity. I think that may be a leading indicator. Oh, man, I'm feeling so, so, like, okay, look. There are members, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say there are people, there are people in Swan who don't like the toxic maxi thing because it's pejorative and it's kind of playing into, um, sort of shit coiner terminology playing on their battlefield, so to speak. But it's like, <clears throat> apparently I was ghost banned by Twitter. I don't know if this is real or not. Somebody else was saying that it's not accurate, but some, uh, one Bitcoiner was testing it. They're like, if you have Bitcoin in your profile, you're ghost banned, you take it off, the ghost ban is removed. I have no idea whether this is real or not, but it's got me in a very sort of, belligerent attitude this morning so i've been doing a lot of shit posting today <laughs> welcome to the party pal they like to shadow ban us around here yeah but hey, you know and- I, I i tested that site too and it showed me that i was shadow banned and then when i moved to pound symbol it showed me that i wasn't but then when i read the description of what it meant to be ghost banned which is what we all showed up it said if you're ghost banned you're also all these other bands so i have a feeling it was just a bug on that site and it's getting us all worked up much ado about nothing as often. Yeah, possibly, possibly. I don't mind getting worked up though. I mean, every now and then it's good. Keep the blood pumping. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Hey, can I just ask, how do I sound? I, I have a new set of headphones today and I'm wondering if I sound any better or any worse than usual. You actually sound fantastic. Better than usual. Many times, Tomer, your, your, Audio quality is not that super good, but today you sound fantastic. All right. My investment is paying off. It's a high time preference investment, but it's working out. So I'm glad for at least that one benefit amongst others. But yeah, that shadow band tester site does work. Like there's, there was a one time back in the day that I remember where it kind of went haywire and it showed everybody as shadow band. You could put in any tag and it would show shadow band. And I had already been shadow banned a lot. And I was already feeling like kind of how you are, Alex, but like really getting tired of it because it kept happening for like no reason. I wasn't even toxic or doing anything. I would just, you know, I was going in on like Brian Kelly at that because he was talking, you know, about buying and selling XRP at like, you know, the heights and crap. So I was calling that out. I would get shadow banned. Anyway, this one day where, uh, this this shadow band tester was broken. I took you know it, it was a uh, a rude move on my part, but I was so upset. And I took a picture of like a screenshot of at Jack, and it was like he was shadow banned from his own platform. I was so mad. I know he wasn't shadow banning me, but I was just upset. So I put it out there, and I put you know I am Jack's sense of self loathing from like the movie Fight Club, but with that screenshot showing that like he was shadow banned. Boom, my account was nuked for like months. I couldn't, I didn't have any followers. I didn't, I couldn't follow anybody. I was in read only mode. Um, I could see stuff, but I couldn't do anything. If I liked something, it would disappear. Like the like would come right back off. And uh, I mean, I was like close to stopping even using Twitter at all. And one day it just occurred to me, I said, you know, let me just go in there and delete this tweet. And I went in there and did it. I'm telling you guys, it was like almost instant. Everything came back. So 
That was my. So advantage. it's attached. Apparently, it's attached to specific tweets. Then. Yeah, that's what I figured out of it. Fascinating. It's weird that we even have to talk about it, right? To me, like here we are on this platform, and we're using the platform because it's got the strongest network effect, right? <laughs> and we're figuring out what it is about the platform that causes people on the platform to be censored. It's so ridiculous if you think about it. Yeah, I went and double-checked mine. I'm not shadow banned. And then I'm, I'm, I'm just questioning everything. I think I need to pump the gas a little bit. I'm bringing up Anthony Rich, the kid, Casanova, because in his profile it says Bitcoin Cafe 2021. 21 million. He's got a picture of himself in front of the bull. Good morning, Anthony. Hey, good morning. Yeah. So um I have I have two accounts. I have my personal and my business one, the Bitcoin Cafe. So I've had both of them hashtagged Bitcoin. Um my personal was shadow banned. My Bitcoin Cafe wasn't. Um I took it off my personal. <clears throat> but I don't think it makes a difference. I I think like you said, it it relates to the tweets, maybe. Not per se the hashtag Bitcoin. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a, maybe it's you have Bitcoin in your profile and then you tweet something they don't like. Maybe it's like a combination. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I have it in my bio, but not in my name. But I checked and I'm not shadow banned, as they say. But I mean, could be wrong. Don't know. It maybe it's because you're polite, um, polite, polite with your tweets. <laughs> I'm too Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too Canadian. That's funny. Um, it's almost like Greg Foss shouldn't be Canadian, right? <laughs> He's like the polar opposite of the typical Canadian. <laughs> definitely, definitely has some roots somewhere else, maybe. <laughs> He's got a lot of Irish in him, I guess. Do we uh, figure out what happened with the Nest stuff, or are we still unable to sh share stuff in the Nest? That's yeah, a good question. The Nest is down. I mean, you guys were talking about toxic stuff. This is getting me toxic. I love the Nest feature. And, uh, yeah, All right, period. Is, is the Nest down for other spaces, too? That's an interesting. I think so. Twitter spaces, yeah. uh, the account, uh, reported yesterday. They were, like, saying, sorry, we're fixing a bug. It's going to be down for uh, whatever. So, you know. Maybe tomorrow, guys. Hey, quick, quick update. So I, I took off yesterday. I was ghost banned. I took off the hashtag Bitcoin in my profile, and now I'm not. I'm no longer ghost banned, but I'm uh, search banned. Yeah, that's where you're on your way back. In my experience, that's like they they remove the first ban, but they're like they're still not wanting to give you that visibility for a little bit, so people can't really search for you. I've been there too many times and ant is a hardened convict he's been in twitter jail he knows what this is all about can i ask is is the nest not is nobody posted anything to the nest or is the nest still out of commission like it was yesterday is that a commission i just tried to post some wef is at it again we are nest banned because we're talking about being ghost banned and they don't want us to share the link to the site where you can find out if you're banned. 
Hey, so how? Yeah, it's gonna poke. Sorry, whoever's speaking, go ahead. <laughs> no, just quick question: How do you post in the nest? You go to your own tweet. You click the share thingy, and then one of the options should be to share it in your uh, spaces or the nest or whatever. You have to be a speaker if you're on the if you're on the stage, and you can go to anybody's tweet really and do the share thing and and post it. But of course, the option doesn't appear today, so you won't see it. Jacob, yeah, gonna... can you verbally read the uh, the Telegram group address so that people can join it? If you guys want to post links, ask for links, whatever, you can do it in our Telegram group. Yeah, all right, everybody. So get your pins ready. All right. And I can even put it into a tweet. So if you go to Swan Bitcoin in about a minute, I'll put it on into a tweet. But it's uh, t.me, so t.me slash forward slash cafe bitcoin club so it's t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club thank you sir for that greatly value-added public service announcement all right let's dig into some current events shall we um you're listening to cafe bitcoin good morning everybody and welcome if you're new to this space. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, roll for two hours, and we talk about Bitcoin. So if you want to learn, this is the place to be. We've got some of the top lines of Bitcoin pop in here on the regular, and you will get a great deal of education on a wide variety of topics that intersects with Bitcoin in some way. It may seem like we're off topic, but if you hang around for a while, you start to figure out all these things kind of bear on Bitcoin or Bitcoin bears on them in one way or another. So the first thing in um, controversial, some people may, may not like me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Apparently, POTUS tweeted out this morning um, the reason that we have inflation. You guys ready for this? It's pretty amazing. He says, let's be absolutely clear about why prices are high right now. COVID and Vladimir Putin. And I'm not kidding. That actually happened this morning. Nobody has a thing to say about that, huh? Well, I mean, why would I be <laughs> mad at you? And why would I be surprised at this? Like, we've we've heard we've heard this being referred to as putin's price increase in a couple of press conferences already <laughs> even though i guess it was like we all knew uh many months ago that he would invade the ukraine when the prices started to rise and the inflation became non-transitory um that this was all uh the arrow of time had been reversed it's very dangerous what's going on here causality is working backwards I, like why? Why does anyone believe what any of our politicians say anymore? Especially when it comes to monetary policy or financial metrics. We don't. Sure, we surely don't. <laughs> the normies do, though. Yeah. Do you think people are falling? For, don't you think that less and less people are falling for it? more and more in a right like that it is because the statements are so increasingly uh, lacking in credibility i want to use the word incredible but uh, lacking in credibility 
it's just causing more and more people to kind of shake out of their slumber and say, something's up. Maybe some of them are like, maybe I want to find out what exactly is up because I know this explanation ain't the reason. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I really truly hope so. I, I, I don't know if social media is any indicator and I don't know whether it is or not because Twitter isn't real, but it, it seems like if more and more people are not waking up, at least the people who are awake are becoming more vociferous about it. You know, it used to be back in the day, if you were to rewind the clock a couple of years, people just wouldn't say anything. And it's gotten to the point now where people are, are just tired of it, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't give them too much credit. I mean, even with the COVID stuff, right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm talking to friends and, you know, they know they don't know, like, I'm, you know, not vaccinated or something. And they're like sh- shitting on people that don't mandatorily get forced a vaccine to work. And they're like, yeah, let's fire all these people. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going through your brain? You know, so I think some people are waking up, but. Some people yeah, are definitely still <laughs> sleeping, you know. There's a segment of the cop of the population that you're never gonna like. Um, it's interesting. I forget who who the person was, but I was watching this um documentary, and this guy was from Russia, and he was talking about how like the science of brainwashing people, like literally, that they figured out there are certain steps that you take to brainwash people. And Basically, you have to put them in a continual state of fear and then re-impress upon them the same idea over and over again while they're terrified, basically. And once you do this, after this sort of framework is established, you can show them factual information that uh, contradicts the installed framework in their brain that they basically programmed with and and they don't believe it they're incapable of believing facts that contradict contradict their framework it's fascinating yeah this is uh the brain science of there's if we oversimplified there's two parts to your brain that are at play here there's your reasoning mind the big part in the front called the neocortex neo meaning new it's the most recently evolved part and at the base of your brain there's something called the amygdala which is the emotional center and that's where fear kicks in and the amygdala can uh, hijack the entire brain when we talk about people being triggered uh scientifically what's happening is their amygdala is triggered and it releases chemicals that basically shut down the neocortex you lose your ability to reason and and so when when you have fear when your fear center is triggered and, and the amygdala doesn't know reality from fakery, it just knows how it feels, um, you cannot think. And, and this exactly describes the point you're making, Alex. I can show you facts. When you're afraid and terrified, facts don't matter. And you know th- this is well explained in all kinds of um, evolutionary theory as well, because it's, it's like when you're in the jungle and a lion pops out at you, you need you need to act instantaneously and you're not there to get to reason through it right you're not going to start reasoning with a line you either fight flight or freeze and that's what this thing does um it it puts you into a different state and you're like a different person uh than you are like like, here i am and here you are and we're calm and we're rational and we're reasonable and if one of us or both of us gets triggered our behavior is totally different and it's almost like you say wow you're a different person and in a sense, you are uh, much of what you makes you up is deactivated and something that's normally asleep is awake. 
Yeah, it's like the the lizard brain, so to speak, takes over, right? That's exactly Which, what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Okay, Other now there are topic. techniques. I, I would just say one quick thing: there is a tech. If you find yourself triggered and you're aware enough, just breathe and drink water. Breathe slowly because breathing the oxygen um, carbonizes or carbolizes the, those chemicals in your amygdala releases. So if you want to get back control. The best thing you can do is breathe deep and slow since I've introduced the topic. But we, you can move on, Alex. Yeah, that's that's great advice, and I agree with that 100%. Also, by the way, I mean, we talk about a lot of <laughs> – uh, we kind of talk about a lot of wide range of topics in this space. Um, and a lot of it has to do with like being a better person, kind of improving yourself, figuring out ways to, to be a better person, growing, all that kind of stuff. This is this goes hand in hand, in my opinion, with being a Bitcoiner because Bitcoiners, in my observation, are seekers of truth. I mean, we're all about like I personally believe in the concept of a lifelong being a lifelong student. Like if you find yourself in a situation where you're the smartest guy in the room, you probably need to make new friends. Like you don't you don't want to find yourself in that situation. I love the Bitcoin community because I'm constantly surrounded by people who are way smarter than I am and learning from them all the time. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think about it too. I think about how we constantly are sharpening ourselves against each other. You know, it's like we, we bring up these things and sometimes we're even, it feels like we're battling with each other and, you know, the obvious scammers aside, I mean, you know, a lot of these Bitcoiner battles or these beefs or whatever, it, it ends up with us like searching for truth. It ends up with us sharpening ourselves against each other. And we have like big fights coming ahead of us. And, you know, that's that's what I like about this time right now where we can all communicate and just kind of like build these strengths within each other, help share this information so that everybody's ready. You know, another thing I like is that a lot of the Bitcoin community, and we can disagree, we can have an argument about something, but we're still respectful and we're still friends at the end of it, right? That's called being a grown-up. There are portions of the Bitcoin community that are not like that, but a lot of Bitcoiners are, and I, and I really like being part of that. I mean, we, me and Wicked don't always agree, right? Mustache Apple? Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're opposites in ways, you know. I have a mustache, you don't. Uh, you have a beard, I don't. So that's um, that's the start of it all. You're giving away some secrets, Wicked. <laughs> By the way, Wicked, did you go to Bitcoin 2022? I did not. No, okay. uh, I, I wish I had. It looked like a lot of fun. Next year, man. Pacific Bitcoin Conference coming up in September. We need, Forget about we, Nick. We need an, an, an Atlantic one. We need an Atlantic one. I mean, I guess the the last one was 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 kind of Atlantic, but it was a little too far south for me. There's going to come a time where there's probably going to be four plus a year. I'm thinking it's going to be good. All right. Other news items. Apparently, um, Australia is going to be launching a spot Bitcoin ETF next week. This is according to 
Bitcoin magazine. I really don't know any other details. Anybody know anything about this? Apparently not. Okay. Nope. I'm a little jelly. Got to be honest. I mean, I'm looking forward to a, a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States. Wait, but Alex, wouldn't that mean that a lot of your high net worth customers would just buy the, the ETF instead of going through you guys? Mm, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think what will end up happening is a spot ETF opens up really simple kind of onboarding for institutions that can't buy the commodity. They have to buy a securitized product. However, um, most of, in my experience anyway, the, the the high net worth, ultra high net worth clients of Swan, they get and understand self-custody. They understand, well, if I don't control my keys, this is subject to nonsense, right? The really smart ones anyway, they get it. So I, I don't see wealthy individuals or even wealthy families going to a spot ETF if they understand what it is they own and the reason that they're owning it. Like historically, you can, you know, a lot of people, for example, GLD in the gold space, a lot of people who wanted gold exposure would just go and buy GLD. So that's going to happen. I have zero doubt in my mind it will, but there's also going to be a huge number of people who, when they understand what it is they own, they would prefer to hold the Bitcoin. You know, what was fascinating about GLD, the gold ETF, is I remember when they launched that thing, it went from a dead start to $60 billion. So, I don't know. If, if Bitcoin is a tenth of gold's market cap, so in other words, let's just say market interest in Bitcoin as a proxy is 10% of gold, then that could go from zero to $6 billion pretty fast. I mean, what is that going to do to Bitcoin? Speaking of zero to something, and I, I don't, I'm sure we don't want to talk about it a lot, but you know, there was that wallet that went from zero to 4,000 Bitcoin. I saw something about that yesterday pretty quick. Someone's decided to get in. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We're just going to see more and more of that in time. No doubt about it. Okay. Next topic. Mortgage rates have hit 5% for the first time in a decade, according to Apple News. Interesting developments. wonder where that's going to go in terms of real estate. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Well, it's going to make the prices go down. I mean, that's the obvious answer, right? Yeah, and we talked about this yesterday, and I tend to agree, although I don't claim to be an expert, but when um, Dr. Jeff talked about you know, because I'd asked the question about BlackRock and others, I think they're probably, as interest rates go up, they're going to dump more of their real estate on the market. Price is going to go down. Uh, builders are probably also going to have to lower their prices because people are not going to be able to afford um, the mortgages. I think also more interest rates are probably going to be around 7% or so by the end of the year. So I don't, I don't see the real estate market doing very well, unfortunately. 
you know, on any of the news topics that we cover, by the way, if you're in the audience and you are an expert on any of these topics, please feel welcome to come up here and set us straight. Like if you're out in the audience and you're listening and you're like, gosh, this is a bunch of monkeys playing with Legos. They don't know what they're talking about. Please come up here. I mean, I love to learn. Like if you're smarter than we are in a certain category, by all means, we want to hear what you have to say. Good morning, DT. How are you doing? Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. And by no means am I smarter than anyone, nor do I assume that I'm smarter than anyone. I just want to bring my perspective because I'm meeting a lot of cool people in the Twitter space. But I think even as Bitcoiners, we have different views and I think we can reinforce one another. I just want to touch up on something you guys were talking about. You were talking about the, the mass media hacking, the misinformation. So I'll make it quick. Firstly, my belief is Bitcoin is the SI unit in finance and economics that we haven't ever had. Like this is beyond 5,000 years. Everybody in this room probably agrees that Bitcoin is the solution to all our problems. It's just that we haven't really walked through the time that it will take to lay it out on the ground floor. So this is a conversation I have with my family. I say that uh, as soon as I started denominating in Bitcoin, when I started using um, Bit, a Satoshi value as my pegged SI unit for my own time, that's when the whole math scene changed for me. I'm not that good at the math, but it still makes more sense because my time is being preserved over time. Uh, obviously, you guys all get that. But coming to the point of social hacking, I, I come from a media background. You know, I'm a pleb in that industry. I've hit every glass ceiling that I could. And then I eventually just gave up trying to build that career as a newsman or whatever. Um, I walked away with all the skills great teachers gave to me. But I've noticed that um, in, in this phase or the millennial or the Gen Z phase that we're, 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 you know, we've let go of TV and radio and we're getting into social media, disinformation is the, the corporate tool. As soon as you see someone, like everybody in the group, was, they were talking about shadow banning on Twitter. As soon as you see something, uh, someone is saying that's factual, that hurts my entire business empire, and me, you know, I'm looking at it from the perspective of a, of a whatever, of a Bitcoin enemy. I'm going to, instead of trying to shut you down, it's easier for me to pay off CNN. It's easier for me to pay off all these big media moguls who have deep, deep tentacles. And, you know, my teacher used to say that public relations rules the world. So if you can't beat them, confuse them. And I think all Bitcoiners should understand this. And they do, because we all pick our own facts. And then we start putting our stories together. And um, this... Twitter Spaces is the best place for, I think, this kind of idea formulation. So thank you again for letting me say that. I hope someone benefits from that. Yep, awesome. My, my takeaway from that is don't be, don't be fooled by the deep, deep tentacles. Yeah, and you got to <clears throat> understand their incentive structure. Um, you know, it just came out yesterday. And think about this when we think about misinformation and truth, right? Julian Assange could face a 175-year sentence for exposing war crimes. Goodness. Yeah, just the sound of those kind of headlines, they really aggravate me. And then someone in the group was saying that, you know, breathe, drink some water, because you can't save the world. Bitcoin will fix whatever it needs to fix over time. But first, fix yourself. 
so that you can help others. You can get into a place where you know what your adversaries are, whether you're looking at it as an individual or as a group. I mean, those narratives, just whenever you look through the news, circle the facts. That's my key. I circle which one is undoubtedly a fact and everything else is opinion. So cut out the opinion. That's just noise. Uh, maybe that'll help sift through again the news the, or the digital literacy part that you know a lot of our children and our young ones don't get. Yeah, it's it's a matter of discernment, right? We've talked about this before in the space where discernment is like a muscle, and we're we're bombarded, basically drowning in information, starving for wisdom, kind of thing. So try to keep it as much high signal as possible in this space um, and try to do away with as much noise as possible. And um, I don't know, Bitcoiners tend to keep it real. I appreciate that. Good morning, puppy. <laughs> Yo guys, what's going on? Um, yeah. You know, I'm still thinking on that. Absolutely insane. What, what they've been doing to Julian Assange, man, simply for being, being a, 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 the only true journalist in the world. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah, don't feel bad about it. Um, go ahead, Sats. Were you going to say something? Oh, I was. It 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 just brought to mind uh, Ron Paul. Truth is treason in the empire of lies, and and just kind of seeing how everything's playing out, and and seeing this misinformation, and what happens to you when when you expose the real uh, criminals or the real evil in the world at times. Yeah, well, as long as we are allowed to continue to do it, we're going to keep broadcasting signal. Like, uh, I hope the people that come here find signal, and I hope you appreciate it. And uh, we'll just keep sending it for as long as we are able to. That's the mission, baby. All right, so other stuff that's going on. Jack Ballers was on Yahoo Finance. And uh, pretty impressive. I mean, more and more you're starting to see on mainstream media, you're starting to see representatives of Bitcoin, the Bitcoin ecosystem on mainstream television. He was basically explaining how getting rid of legacy banks from the payment flow will do all kinds of amazing things for business, could possibly reduce inflation, would save Americans money. One at a time when inflation is at its highest in 40 years. Um, and and super, just super interesting, you know, this interview where he's explaining how even without somebody using Bitcoin themselves, like they may not even realize that the underlying payment rails are Bitcoin. It's pretty fascinating. Does anybody have any thoughts on this? I have one thought on that since you're mentioning Jack Mahler's, you know, I posted literally, it's been probably, I don't know, a week ago, you know, I was just chatting about paying my accountant in Bitcoin using strike. And yeah, I mean, it, it actually struck a nerve. A lot of people were like, this is really cool. I think a lot of people don't know in essence that you can use strike, you know, get rid of your dirty fiat, basically pay whoever on the other end, uh, you know, just paste in a Bitcoin address and they get their Bitcoin. So it's really cool. Yeah, one of one of the things I love about this uh, playbook that that Jack is introducing by making the payment rails 
um, over Bitcoin, even if you know the 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 merchant is is converting to dollars or the the person paying is paying in dollars. What it does is it makes it extremely easy for either side to flip the switch and start using Bitcoin when shit hits the fan and fiat starts collapsing. So basically, Jack Maulers is preparing society to be able to handle a rough transition, which I think, you know, a lot of people don't like to think about this, but I think it is on the horizon. I think that there's going to be a very tough, you know, transit transition period when fiat starts collapsing really, you know, really, really badly. Um, and all of society has to transition quickly. And so, you know, this basically getting, getting it ready in a way that's like not, you know, in your face, right. He's not saying like, the sky's falling. We all need to switch to Bitcoin. He's saying, let's all just get on the Bitcoin rails and we can still use fiat if we want. But like, really what's happening is he's getting everyone ready for when we have to transition to Bitcoin. Yeah, in a way, that's sort of the Michael Saylor approach as well, right? He's like, yo, it's okay. You know, he's not going to like say fiat is garbage. He's going to say they can coexist and they will coexist until they don't, so to speak. Um, you know, some people are get mad at Sailor for that. They're like, you're just, you know, you're a fiat. You're kind of like a hidden fiat maxi. I don't think so. I think the guy's brilliant. He's, he's really smart and, uh, he's playing 40 chess. The people that he's dealing with, I don't think understand. Like, and, and this is just my personal opinion. I, I think he's coming from a place where he is really a Bitcoiner. And he's just playing the game that has to be played. I mean, he's CEO of a multi-billion-dollar public company, right? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in full agreement with you there. Um, you, you know, we always talk about the, um, you know, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you. Um, I I just never saw the why would why do you purposely want to kick that hornet's nest? You know, let them grow up side by side, let them let them think that they do coexist until that network just expands to a point where everyone's on and using it. And before you know it, there's nothing they can do about it. We already know that, that, that ultimately there's nothing they can do. So I don't understand why we have to make, make it more painful than it already is to transition. Yeah. And, and why antagonize them in the course of it? Like I'm, I'm guilty of it. I should post, I antagonize, I, I do that kind of stuff just because that's my nature, but being real, it's probably a better pr- approach to not do that. It seems like a kind of security measure for, say, states or local governments to make sure that they have this infrastructure in place um, in case of those things, just like Wicked was talking about. And I know even in my small community, we're, we're 25 to 30,000, and the head of our economic development is interested in having payment systems there and in place if there is a hyperinflationary environment you know, that that makes it a pretty seamless rollover for your small businesses and, and the people that run, you know, your local economy. Yeah, really cool. So final thought on this, and then we'll do some announcements, is that he's saying that any online merchant using Shopify, they can accept payments without the Boomer Network, basically receive it instantly, cash finality, no intermediary, no 3% fee. You know, when people experience that, and, and a lot of them will, will not realize what's happening under the hood, but, you know, 
I can remember just a couple months ago, Wicked used to say, yeah, man, you know, spend your Bitcoin. It's okay. And I'd be, I be, I used to think on my head, you're a lunatic. I'm just going to stack, 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 stack. And then I went down to the Bitcoin conference and I took a, I took a page out of Tomer's playbook when he's like, yeah, just pay all your tips in Bitcoin. And I, I used that. I started like, you know, anybody who would take it. I, I taught them how to install the moon wallet. I was shooting them Bitcoin and like people love that stuff. It's just a great way to get, get people with exposure. Once you see that happen with no intermediary, if they understand there's no bank in the middle, you don't need PayPal to do this it's it's just on the rails and it's so amazing like it's just mind-blowing you know and that's such an excellent point um because hell let's just say out of out of the 10 people you tip uh you know there, there's one that shows a genuine interest i know um uh daniel prince you know his they got their they got their uber driver all hooked up man they by the time they was he was done they, he was reading books and uh was stacking stats already but yeah how fantastic is that and instead of you having to sit there um trying to orange pill somebody for 30 minutes to take them from zero to buying bitcoin no you down you just download a wallet shoot them 10 bucks and off they go man that you know let them go down that rabbit hole i think it's a great strategy yeah it's awesome all right uh, a couple of quick announcements Today's show, we're going to have Mark Yusko on here. I can't wait to talk to that guy in depth. Um, I've talked to him before on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll save the story for when he's actually on here because in my mind, it's pretty funny. But really looking forward to that conversation. You have been looking um, – sorry. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome if you're new here. Um, we do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin. It is the place to get your morning news. It's also a preferred hangout. For some of the smartest minds in Bitcoin, to just talk about what's going on. It's a podcast. It's up on Spotify. It's up on Apple. You can throw me or Swan Bitcoin a follow if you want to be notified of when those drop. Uh, if you're interested in a career or a job in Bitcoin, go to bitcoinerjobs.com. I think there's over 150 jobs posted there right now. I work at Swan. Swan always posts our job there, um, our jobs, excuse me, there. If you want to hire Bitcoiners, that's also a good place to go, Bitcoinerjobs.com. Quick plug for Swan. I work with, as I mentioned, Swan Bitcoin. In the private division, if you're ultra high net worth, high net worth, um, and you're looking for sort of a one-on-one -on -one concierge experience where we hold your hand and we teach you essentially unlimited consulting time. We have a very deep bench of experts on everything from custody to inheritance planning, entry strategies, all that other kind of stuff. If you're looking for someone to explain all this Bitcoin stuff to you without looking dumb in front of your friends, this is the way. You can DM me. I'm happy to help you out. We promise we'll hook you guys up. Um, yeah, that's it for Swan. Back to news topics. So apparently the IMF um, came out with a report that was also a plug for Bitcoin. This is what we call <laughs> this is what we call we're over the target, sir. Um, so they're basically saying that Bitcoin Bitcoin mining allows countries to monetize their energy directly outside the traditional finance system, which apparently freaks the IMF out a little bit. <laughs> 
And they're saying that a surge in Bitcoin and crypto use might endanger the global financial system, their financial system, of course, not ours. Um, <laughs> in their, it, okay, it's, it's their global financial stability report for April t- 2022. The IMF is observing that the Ukraine conflict, Bitcoin and crypto have revealed vulnerabilities of the global financial system. Anybody have any thoughts? DT, go ahead. Hey, could you could you say that question once more? I, I think I might want to answer to that. Yeah, I was just wondering if anybody has any thoughts on this um, on this commentary from the IMF that that Bitcoin is endangering the global financial system. Well, obviously the IMF doesn't like what's going on, but I'm I'm on the east of the world right now. I'm in Bangladesh, close to India. So I just want to, again, share my own perspective. Uh, the IMF just approved a X million dollar amount of worth of loan to Bangladesh so that we can build up our financial system again, um, which I think is an absolutely ridiculous idea as a sovereign nation. But we're not a sovereign nation here. Uh, we're, we're a communist nation, period. Uh, I think what they're talking about is, again, that misinformation, because um, obviously, uh, you know, Petroleum companies, energy companies, they're signing long-term flare gas deals with my nation, with my state. And my state is too stupid to understand what this plan is. You know, they just think that, okay, we're, we're securing U.S. dollars. What we're actually doing is we're securing an untouchable contract from ExxonMobil who can mine all this flare gas, use, you know, mine Bitcoin with all this flare gas, and the Bitcoin instantly goes into a corporation. I am not intimidated by nation states accumulating Bitcoin. You know, that, that that they can do whatever the hell they want. But I am scared of big corporations that are very dominant because they don't have any accountability in certain matters. People come in as CEO and they leave. Those are I think that thing is dangerous to uh, humanity and civilization that way. And not every corporation either. So I think IMF is one of those entities that loves to spread, you know, their version of the statistics or their perspective or their narrative based on what statistics they choose, and it serves their partners. So that's my two cents on that. Real quick, lots of good books out there, but read uh, or look into New Confessions of an Economic Hitman. It's not specifically about the IMF, but it really talks about what DT is talking about, about ultimately you know, creating uh, nations that are very dependent on the U.S. dollar, and they become permanent um, debtors. Yeah, you know, the IMF, you guys saw it firsthand right after El Salvador makes their announcement. IMF is already down there uh, threatening them with withholding loans and everything else. Um, you got to remember, yeah, this is their shot across the bow. They got, you, you see all the flood that comes out about Bitcoin and, and boiling the oceans. It's bad for the environment. Uh, but especially now, what you're seeing firsthand is all the virtue signaling of all these, you know, the IMF, all these NGOs. Oh, look at us! You know, we're we're helping the poor. We're giving them this money, and people are seeing for what it is. They're, they're, you're keeping them oppressed. You're keeping them under your thumb with these loans that you know they can never pay back. And God forbid they, that these people find Bitcoin and get it into their countries because they they know that the the gig is up. The IMF knows it. These people can actually become independent and not need us anymore. 
and they shouldn't need them. I think it comes back to one statement that uh, the Space Force Colonel Jason Lowry said. I loved it. I absolutely loved the way he uh, eloquently said it. He said um, something along the lines of every human life that can be preserved. And uh, I mean, human life which can be preserved is worth every watt of energy spent. I mean, I just love that. Yeah, that. All that came out of the the IMF Global Financial Stability Report, um, and they cited global financial systems resilience put to the test. And if we look down here, as a result of the country's historically large public debt and the deteriorating sovereign credit outlook, there is a danger of negative feedback loop that might jeopardize macro financial stability and they have a lot of charts and uh what i kind of wrote in my piece that's in the guess, sorry is uh you know the trend to maybe discredit or close off the only uh lifeboat yeah all of these kind of things uh you know when i say um, sir, we're over the target. All of these kind of things, they're, they're similar to me in that when you hear Lagarde freaking out about Bitcoin, when you hear the IMF freaking out about Bitcoin, when you hear anyone really in any of these positions of power and authority who's basically their entire world is going to be deconstructed if, if, fiat is to, if the fiat tool is taken away from them. Yeah, that's all over the target. I love it. I want to welcome up Mark Yesko. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Alex. Sorry for, for being a couple minutes late. It's quite all right. We uh, traditionally take the time in this space to discuss what's going on in Bitcoin. We do the morning news and then, uh, yeah, it's all good. I also want to welcome up uh, Dr. Jeff Ross. Good morning, Jeff. Morning, Alex. Morning, Mark. And, hey, uh, morning, Jeff. Mark, it was good to meet you finally at the conference. I know it's always it's always great to put faces with with names and and avatars and uh, it was really great to be together. Too bad we didn't get to spend uh, more time, but I had to duck out uh, sooner than I wanted to. Yeah, so Mark, I, um, I met you for the first time in person at the Swan private event. Mark was wearing this hilarious T-shirt <laughs> at the top of it. It had a, a symbol of the Federal Reserve. And then underneath it, it said, what? Mark, tell, it, re, tell us what it said. Keep calm. We'll print more. <laughs> this is the best. I got a great picture of me standing next to Mark with that. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I've heard other people say it, and, and I agree that, you know, Bitcoin is really the greatest macro trade or macro event that, that we'll probably see in our lifetimes. And, and I think it's, you know, part and parcel because of, of central bank profligacy. And it's not just the Fed. I mean, it's the ECB and, and the Bank of Japan and, and uh, Bank of England and Bank of Canada and, and all of them. And they're all, you know, ex-Goldman guys and gals. And it it's really frightening when you you actually add it all up and you and you look at the impact that it's having on 
just the the debasement or the debauchment of of currencies around the world and you know the the conf, uh, conflation of currency and money happens so often that people just don't really understand the difference and they don't think about the fact that look it's plain and simple there have been 775 paper currencies in the history of the world three quarters of them no longer exist the rest will disappear as well there's only been one money in the history of the world and that's gold money is something that exists in the asset in the absence of a liability and bitcoin is digital gold and it has all the the benefits of gold uh, with none of the drawbacks and has two additional benefits in that it's more portable and more divisible. So I, I just think that that misunderstanding of things like inflation, we don't have inflation, right? And, and Greg Foss, who I love, and I got in a little debate about this, like, hey, it's all the same thing. Like, eh, not, not 100%. I mean, currency debasement is different than inflation. And people will say that I'm I'm splitting hairs, but you know what we're experiencing today is nothing like the 1970s demand pull, supply constraint, inflation. This is other than natural gas prices, which has a little bit of that. Uh, this is all about currency debasement. Yeah, it's it's a fa- a fascinating topic that um, I've studied for many years, um, basically the collapse of various different currencies throughout the history of man. I used to be a gold bug. I was a gold bug to the degree that I managed a physical gold fund. I can remember back in 2017, I don't know if Mark remembers this, but my some of my first interactions with Mark was I was arguing with him about Bitcoin. Um, and that Are you kidding? Government... I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> I remember it was like it was, it was so much fun. Look, dialogue and debate in search of truth is is what life is all about. It was awesome. Yeah, I was basically saying that um, you know governments are going to crush Bitcoin. They'll never allow it to survive. And I, I didn't understand what I was talking about. I, I, I thought I did. And and in 2019, my personal story was that. It, I realized at the time that the reason governments haven't stopped or crushed Bitcoin is because they can't. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. So Mark, um, for, th- oh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you don't know who Mark Yesko is. He's a hedge fund manager, investor, founder, chief investment officer, managing director of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Um, they, they advise pension funds, endowment, endowments, high net worth, ultra high net worth. And he's very well known in the Twitter sphere, the financial Twitter sphere. So just appreciate you coming to hang out with us today, Mark. No, happy, happy to be here. And I guess the only tweak I would make is, you know, I'm, I'm the artist formerly known as a hedge fund guy. I I'm now actually a venture capitalist. And it's, it's funny to say that out loud. In fact, I was having coffee with a good buddy of mine uh, this morning and, and he said, you know, it's it's just amazing that a dinosaur like you with with you know gray hair can can totally reinvent themselves and become a venture capitalist in, in your fifties. I'm like, well, thanks. I, I think dinosaur. I'm I guess if I'm a T Rex, but uh, but it's true. I mean, I I spent most of my career as an allocator of capital. I worked for big universities. I ran 
you know, North Carolina's endowment. I worked at my alma mater at Notre Dame. And, and then I built, you know, pretty fun ride building an asset management company, Morgan Creek Capital Management. But starting, you know, right after our conversations in 17, uh, started Morgan Creek Digital. And I spent the past four and a half years building a venture capital franchise. And, and uh, I'm having more fun than I've ever had. And that doesn't mean I disliked my previous parts of my career. I loved working for not-for-profits. I loved building Morgan Creek, but I'm just having more fun now. And it's because of all the people on this call and yourself and the others at Swan. It's, it's the people, it's the migration of talent into this space. It's working with, like I did a conference yesterday up in New York and I got to do a fireside chat with Flory Marquez, who's the co-founder of BlockFi. And I, and I told the audience, I mean, we had a half hour and I said, I could sit here and ask Flory questions for the entire eight hours of this conference. And not one of you would move out of your seat. I mean, absolutely spectacular founder building an amazing business. It's going to be one of the dominant businesses in the future. And that's the quality of people that are on this call that are in this, in this space. And it's so energizing and, so I'm just I'm just having fun. We've invested in 60 companies in the past four and a half years. And you know, we've been very fortunate to partner with some just incredible people. But uh and what one funny what a funny thing. So Dan Loeb, who again is famous, way more famous hedge fund guy than I, um, you know, billionaire. And Dan and I were talking and and he has come into the digital asset space as well. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, it's it's interesting that that both of us, you know, came to be venture capitalists late in life. And he paused and he says, you know, but I'm much better looking than you. So like, where did that come from? I mean, truth, fine. But where, where did that come from, Dan? That is hilarious. All right. We're going to have, I'm sure, a ton of questions for you, Mark. Um, we're going to start out with uh, Shane. Go ahead. Yeah, Mark, I was just curious, um, you mentioning BlockFi made me kind of think about this. You know, a lot of Bitcoiners obviously hope that they can buy and hold and never sell and that there will be a, um, a industry that will come up where you can borrow against your Bitcoin and it will continue to appreciate and value enough where, you know, you can stay ahead of any kind of curve on that. I'm just curious your thoughts on how you think that will evolve over time and how long it might take. I know that's all stuff that's not really very well developed yet. I'm just curious your thoughts. No, look, it, 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 it's absolutely happening. And, and I, okay, I know there are maxis. I don't know if we even use that term anymore, but there are people who, who believe that no, 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 not your keys, not your coins. And there's no role for CFI. It has to all be, you know, direct ownership. Look, I, I'm, I'm an old guy. So I, I appreciate the fact that TradFi, you know, the world I grew up in, is going to be disrupted, is being disrupted, and will be complete, uh, not completely, but, but mostly disrupted by Bitcoin and other digital asset ecosystem developments. That, that, that is absolutely going to happen, and DeFi and others are, are in there. Um, the, the thing that I think is that I believe, and, and maybe others don't, is that it won't be a straight shot. It won't be like 
like leapfrogging in emerging markets from wireline to wireless. There'll be an intermediate step. And, you know, as we go from TradFi to CFI, where there's Coinbase or BlockFi or Gemini or others, um, all of which are, are portfolio companies of ours, which is kind of cool. Um, and if, if you think about, I think about my dad, 80, about to be 84 years old on Friday, uh, loves his Bitcoin and other things, and he will never manage his own keys. He's just, just not going to do it. And he's very happy at Coinbase. And he says, well, then he doesn't own Bitcoin. Fine. You know what? He thinks he owns Bitcoin. He loves it. And he owns a bunch of other things as well. And he's, he's never, I mean, this is a guy who didn't have an ATM card. He's, he's just never going to manage his own keys. And that's fine. So I believe companies like BlockFi and others are going to be massive in scale and scope. And I actually believe you know, the name BlockFi, Blockchain Financial, what, what do they do? They take deposits, they lend the deposits, they pay interest. Well, that's what a bank does, which can't call a bank because the banks get really pissed about that. Like I said that yesterday, Flora's like, no, no, don't, don't say the, don't say the bank word. You know, we don't want to be a bank. We don't, we don't think of ourselves as a bank. We're not a bank. We don't want to have capital requirements like a bank. We don't, you know, but they will eventually have registered products like this interest-bearing account that will probably get approved here in the third or fourth quarter. And that'll be a massive moat and they'll continue to gain share. So it's a long answer to a, to an important question. Um, but let me stop there. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's tragic. Honestly, I think it's tragic because at some point that obviously the, the attack vector there is if, is if, the government ever wants to get its hands on a bunch of Bitcoin, that's one way to do it for sure, is people who have their who have their Bitcoin in custody. But you're right. There are going to be a ton of people who don't do who who do it that way because they're just not accustomed to being the custodian of their own assets. No, it's Alex, that's a, that's a really it's a really important point. And and I will I will concede that point that that self-custody is superior, right? It, it, it just is from, from, from the standpoint of truly non-seizable, although even that isn't true. And, and I don't, I don't mean this is going to happen, but if, if someone comes to your home, points a gun at your head, you're giving up your keys. I, I, I'm not. I you, you don't know me. My keys. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's fine. But then... And they, but then, they better bring then, a whole well, hopefully have a backup of friends. But, but my point is that it's, it is superior, right? Self-custody is superior. And it, and it is true. Not your keys, not your coins. I, I get that. But I... And I'm hopeful that businesses will develop around non-custodial solutions and they are um so but i i I do think that uh there's a lot of room between nirvana and where we are today and there's a lot of opportunity to create multi multi hundred billion dollar businesses that ultimately end up in nirvana where we are all using a single money, real money, 
that doesn't have a liability, that is deflationary, that can't be messed with by central banks, you know, pale, stale white males. Um, anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't disagree. I think there's a ton of people. In fact, we have a, you know, just from my own experience dealing with customers, there's a lot of people who just feel more comfortable having their assets held by institutions. Just, we've grown up in that system and they're used to that and they probably won't ever change. There's a reason that, you know, some of the largest buildings in every major city in the planet are banks, right? That's because people felt comfortable with that and they felt safe with that. There's going to be some slice of the population that goes that route and then there's going to be some slice of the population that's basically, yeah, I'm going to hold this myself. Wicked, did you have a, a question or a thought? I was actually going to bring up what, what you brought up, Alex. My, my main concern uh, is with governments basically, you know, as a last resort when things are really falling apart. And unless we get to the level of, you know, being a large portion of global M2, which is going to take a really, really long time, like like a really, really long time. Uh, then the governments don't have to react violently, right? They don't have to seize because they, they tried this once, right? In 1933, they, they tried this. They, they made gold illegal in the United States and they tried to seize and they seized a little bit, but most of it they didn't seize. And then for the next 42 years, it was illegal in the United States to own gold. Now, lots of people own gold, but, but it was illegal. And it's, it's really, it's actually not a coincidence that Satoshi Nakamoto's birthday is 4575. 45 was the day in 1933 where gold was made illegal. 1975 was the year it was reversed. So it's not an accident that Satoshi, whoever he, she, they, I guess he self-identified as a he once. So whoever he is, 4575. It's also not a coincidence that Bitcoin was launched in the middle of the gold financial crisis. And it's not a coincidence that the first thing in the Genesis block is a picture of the chancellor bailing out the, the banks for the second time. So none of that is coincidental. And so I look at it a little differently and say, until such time as you know, global M2 is $86 trillion today, until Bitcoin was a meaningful percentage of that. It's just not worth the violence. Now, the one thing that I do worry about, go down the, the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, is if you put Satoshi Nakamoto into Google, what you'll get back is intelligence central. Nakamoto is the uh, surname of people in the central part of Japan, and Satoshi means intelligence. So I, I do worry that's a little too close to the CIA. And, and, and I was talking to our venture partner, Scott Stornetta, who is the most cited person in the white paper, right? If you actually read the footnotes, which no one does, but he's the most cited person in the white paper. And I asked Scott, you know, what do you think about this? And he says, well, I really thought about it. But, and, and what I was basically saying is, could there be a backdoor that the government figured out that the currencies were cooked because they were going to have to print their way out of debt? Therefore, you get everyone to convert worthless fiat into this good 
asset and then you have backdoor and you seize it all back. Um, it's like, well, never thought about that. I don't really. And then he said, but it can't happen because of the way proof of work consensus works. There actually is an air gap uh, between the physical ownership and, and the, the, the hashing. So, but it was interesting because I, I kind of stumped him a little bit and he's like, I never really thought about that. So he says you can't have a backdoor the way most of us think about the way backdoors work. So we don't have to worry about that. But anyway, that's my random thought for the day. Yeah, it's an interesting, that's actually an interesting point. Um, and that's what a lot of Bitcoiners tend to think is, is that, it, you know, that's the issue with, with institutional custody right there, is that it's potentially accessible. You know, the thing about it being confiscatable, I, from my point of view, I don't find Bitcoin held in, in personal custody the correct way to be confiscatable. I mean, I'm one of those guys that like, you know, you gave the situation, the scenario, Mark, where if a guy shows up at the door and tries to, you know, coerce me through force to give up the Bitcoin, I will go to my grave with the Bitcoin intact. I mean, it will just be a donation to the rest of Bitcoiners, essentially. Those those keys will be lost forever if it turns into that. But and, and I'm not Amen. the only one who thinks I, I, that I, way, right? I, there's going to be a, a there's going to be a number of guys who just won't go that route. And I'm not saying it's the majority of the population. Even I, I, I think the majority of the population, you know, under duress might actually give it up. But I don't know. Well, the good That's news is, at least for now, the good news is we've moved past that. Right? This we're not talking about that long ago, right? Where my my wife's from Oklahoma, so the Sooners. So the Sooners, what were the Sooners? The Sooners were people that lined up on the border from Kansas and Oklahoma, and they went across the line early to claim their piece of free land. And back then, which again, only 170 years ago, uh, you basically sat on your front porch with your gun and you owned the land unless somebody with a larger gun or guns came and took it from you. Yeah. And we don't live in that world today, thankfully. I mean, it doesn't mean crime doesn't happen. You know what, Mark? You should you should check out Jason Lowry. His argument is proof of work is secured by by the potential to exert force, and I I happen to hundred percent agree with that. Even yeah. in today's civilized society, if you if you walk it up from the very bottom to the top, it's still you know enforcement of contract is still done at the end of the day through force. Granted, it's all dressed up with civilization and, you know, legal contract and the justice system and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the justice system is enforced by force, right? 100%. 100%. And it, it, it's really interesting because, you know, I we're lucky, right? We, we sit in a part of the world where we don't have to worry about that. There are still places in this world where force and and, you know, uh, seizure by mafias and and gangs is still a big big problem and you know i'm that's, I'll check that's my actually privilege not at the door on that's that. actually not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about is the, i'm talking about proof of work the concept yeah. of proof of work lowry's point is and i think he's right that the fiat system exists through force oh gotcha 
like, okay, at the very grassroots level, right? Enforcement of contract or, you know, protection of private property. Let's call it protection of persons, private property, stuff like that. At the ground level is is done through police and the justice system, right? But on the mm-hmm. national sovereign level, it's done through the force of armies. Yep. No, I think I, so, okay, that's I think that's a really important point, and and that's why when you you know someone asked me the other day, uh, you know, define an NFT. Um, I said well, to me, it's just a bad term because it's now associated with JPEGs. What an NFT really is, it's just an entry on a blockchain, just a a ledger entry, it's basically digital property rights. And if it's protected by proof of work, to your point, then it is true digital property rights. If you have some of these other forms of of proof, not not so much, but, but a proof of work blockchain can absolutely enforce digital property rights. And that's why I believe every asset will eventually be tokenized and digitized and will own everything uh, well, unless, you know, Klaus has his way and no one owns anything. Uh, just kidding. Um, you don't have to get about that. We, we talk about that all the time in here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, let's go to some of these other guys who have questions or comments. I don't know who was first, Wicked or Peter. I just want to just real quick, I just want to say, Mark, um, you know what you were saying. So, so in other words, Bitcoin is a measly hundred x away from being um, <laughs> a threat. <laughs> you know. No, no, no. Exactly. And, and and but but here's the thing that I talk about this all the time. The ten x from here, right? Digital gold equivalents or gold equivalents. That that, that that's like a no brainer. I mean, the 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 likelihood that that Bitcoin completely replaces the primary use case of monetary gold. No question in my mind. But the next step, which is the next 10x, to become the uh, true global currency, I, I struggle. Now, the person you should have on here should get Murray Stahl from Horizon Kinetics to come on and explain and he'll explain in perfect parlance why that is going to happen and why all of M2 will be subsumed because of Gresham's law. Good money crowds out bad. And I always joke all the time that, you know, Murray makes me look bearish. And I'm a pretty bullish guy in this space. I mean, I changed my whole life in the last four and a half years to, to you know, spend all my time in here. And he makes me look bearish. So... You're right. It's the hundred X that many people are think is, oh, that's no problem. Well, I, maybe it's no problem, but I think 10 X is no problem. Beyond 10 X, I think it, it starts to be harder. I, I actually think it's the opposite. I think it, it will take longer to 10 X than it will to go the next 10 X. So 10 X from here. Yeah, I think it's actually going to accelerate into, you know, basically representing everything. All right. This is this is actually a really interesting. This is really interesting counterpoint. Can we go one at a time, Mark? Can you explain why you think the hundred X from here? First of all, I'm curious about the hundred X part. Like the 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 M two level is essentially forty X from here, right? Not a hundred X. Why do you? First of all, why no, do you 100. say it's eighty six? 
we're we're at, we're at eight hundred billion today, and it's eighty six trillion. So it's basically it's eighty six trillion. Okay, I had the wrong number then. Okay, fair enough. So, Mark, give us a couple of minutes about why you think this this hundred x is more difficult, and then let's let Wicked talk about why he thinks it's not. I I think it's more difficult because nation states will uh, will fight, right? I, I've talked about this before too. Is um, it's the Gandhi quote that you know first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And so from 2009 to 2015 was first they ignore you, right? And a bunch of nerds and geeks and anarchists playing around with their stupid algorithm, whatever. Then from 15 to 21 was the, then they laugh at you. Oh, like a bunch of stupid geeks and anarchists and, and it's just so stupid, right? It's going to zero. Well, then they fight you. So 2021 to whatever, 2027 is that then they fight you. And the fight's not going to be pleasant. Um, and we've seen little glimpses of it from Gensler and others. But the fight's going to be real because nation states like, like their power and they like their fiat. And I, I think that the challenge is as long as you know Bitcoin stays in its lane and is that portion of your wealth that you opt out to protect against the total fiat fiasco. And I talk about this all the time, right? For today, right? I live in the United States. I have to pay my taxes in dollars. I have to spend in dollars. I, I get paid in dollars. Um, that doesn't mean I don't convert a portion of that every week, every month into, into Bitcoin uh, as my opt-out security, but, but I, still, I still live in that, in that state. Over time, I do agree that increasing amounts will be converted, but here, here's the rub for me. To me, the, dis the original distribution of, of Bitcoin was, I won't say it was flawed, but it was, it was, it was too narrow. And I, I don't have a better solution to fix that, but you know, right now it's too concentrated. And the only way to get true adoption is to have you know, the next billion people use it and then the next billion after that and the next billion after that it's just going to take a long time it's going to take a long i do i do like wicked's point i think it was wicked that said that it will accelerate and that's that's the way networks do work and that's the way if one person does it and they tell two friends and they tell two friends and they tell two friends it does accelerate i i just think that i think the starting point is going to be really hard to get the flywheel really moving is going to be hard Okay, so so a follow-up question then before we let Wicked go um, is why do you think it's going to take a long time? Because I think too many hodlers, right? I mean, you got this, you got this incoherence in the argument, which is we, in order for it to grow and become the you know the equivalent of of global money, everyone's got to own it and use it. Well, that can't happen if nobody is willing to sell. I mean, part of the problem right now is the volatility of Bitcoin is so high because the free float is so low. It's a really illiquid asset, even though it, it trades a lot every day. It's the same stuff trading over and over and over again. Um, a lot of stuff hasn't moved in months or even years 
or even a decade in some cases. So I just, I just think until you get more coins in or more Satoshis, because not be coins, it's gonna be Satoshis. That's why my 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 uh, you know Twitter handle is hashtag two point one quadrillion because there's two point one quadrillion Satoshis, and that's we need to stop talking about Bitcoin. We need to start talking about a Satoshi. Because that's a great measure. 100% agree. We need to change that unit bias thing. But let me ask you this. Don't you think that as the price increases, more is going to become available for sale? I mean, I witnessed this in the gold industry. Every time the price goes up, more becomes available for sale because everybody's Absolutely. got a different number, right? Absolutely will happen. And, and it will happen inevitably on the four-year cycles because of the genius. I mean, absolute genius. There, there are two things about about Bitcoin that are just mind-numbingly genius. Um, almost as mind-numbingly as the fact that I'm talking into a metal and glass box and you can hear it in real time. That just blows my mind. Um, but the genius of there will never be a 51% attack because the moment you do, your asset is worthless. Absolute genius. Just total prevention of 51% attack. But the second is the having ensures the price will rise over time because the miners' costs are relatively fixed and therefore the price must adjust or else, you know, half the miners go out of business and that's just not going to happen. And we've seen that, you know, happen over and over and over again. People say, oh, you know, the cycle's going to get wiped out because of demand. Well, it hasn't and I don't think will. And it's absolute genius in design to create that upward price trajectory, which then is exacerbated by the speculators who come in at the late part of the cycle. Yeah. I suspect that when we hit 100K, there will be more Bitcoin for sale. When we hit 500K, there will be more Bitcoin for sale. Totally agree with you. It just needs to be a big number. And, yeah. and, and also, we need to educate people about Satoshis. Is You don't have to own a whole Bitcoin. You just need to convert a portion of your wealth into this asset. And the other thing that has to happen, and, and you saw a lot of this at, at, in Miami, was a lot of talk about lightning and a lot of talk about payments over the rail. And, and look, one of the big things for me is, and I, I wish I could give credit to who said it because I stole it from somebody and I just can't remember who I stole it from, but you know, there's no tech in fintech. The whole fintech revolution, there's no technology. It's 80-year-old technology, same payment rails we've been using forever, Fedwire and ACH. And so it's just a better UX UI on the front end. And you know, peer-to-peer lending is still using ACH and, and Fedwire. So Lightning and Strike, again, portfolio company, uh, are real innovation. In fact, you can send money anywhere in the world instantaneously over the Bitcoin blockchain is unbelievable it's cool it's real yep. and that's coming um and the layer twos and the layer threes you think about it, visa is what most people think of as money it's really not it's it's a way of using currency it's not money and in fact it really doesn't transfer money every day it batches up your transactions on a mainframe computer that's the funny part it literally runs on a mainframe computer uh on cobol which is unbelievable that the entire Visa network runs on COBOL. Um, the funny part, I was talking to the Visa guys, and they're like, yeah, it's kind of good because no one knows how to hack COBOL, so it's kind of a moat. But when it does break, we have to turn on a light at the Sunnyvale Retirement Home, and they have to get an 80-year-old to come fix it. 
Like he's not lying because my 83-year-old dad can code COBOL and invest in Bitcoin. That is so damn funny. I didn't know that. Okay, let's go with um, Wicked um, as a response to why do you think the next 100x could be faster? And then we'll hit announcements and keep moving. Go ahead, Wicked. All right, thank you. Uh, I'll try to keep this as brief as possible. I have a lot of points that <laughs> that kind of lead to my thought here. But the main one is really just that right now there's still a lot of hesitancy um, with Bitcoin. There's a lot of people who don't really know what it is and don't believe that you know, or don't 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 think with with 100 conviction that it will go to where we think it's going to go. Right? I mean, many of us here think that it could potentially become worth everything. And some of us are so convicted in that that we've said we won't sell our Bitcoin ever uh, because you know we know it's true worth in that sense. So I think one thing that might happen when we do have the next 10x, or let's say, let's just round it up to a million, when we get to a million, million dollars per coin, is that conviction and certainty in what Bitcoin is and where it's headed will harden by you know an order of magnitude so there's going to be 10 maybe even more 100 people 100 times as many people convicted in bitcoin and not willing to sell so the hodl wave will actually increase exponentially while at the same time the supply is decreasing exponentially and essentially what this will cause is um I mean, it'll basically just make the the price kind of enter this up only phase. Uh, but but wicked, hold on, hold on, hold on. Every transaction must have a buyer and a seller. If everybody's not a seller, correct, it'll go to infinity. It'll, it'll go to infinity. There there will be no more buyers. It'll basically go to infinity, and all other forms of money will collapse. Is my thesis. And then basically the only thing that people will be willing to, to accept. That, that's, that's the, that's hang, the on, no. hang on, Mark. Let, let him finish. Yeah, yeah, let yeah, him I mean, finish. Ba- basically, my thesis is that Bitcoin will eat everything alive worth, you know, every other form of money worth value right now. It will eat it. And then the only thing people will accept for their goods and services is Bitcoin because it will be the only thing that has value in our society. And so I think this will actually happen a lot faster than most people th- you know, think possible. And it's going to be rough. Like, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> you know, it's going to be like, it's probably going to come along with a deep recession and a lot of pain, especially for people who don't have Bitcoin. But, you know, I mean, like, I just don't see a future where people are willing to accept, you know, fiat when Bitcoin has become such a kind of obvious competitor and uh and 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 better form of money right i mean right now again people are unsure there's a lot of uncertainty but i think that that uncertainty turns to conviction very quickly and once we're you know at kind of that nice round million dollars a coin and we have cent sat parity right so it's very easy for people to understand oh a penny's worth a sat okay like that that's going to harden this idea that bitcoin is money in people's minds. And then the next step, which is a very easy one, is Bitcoin is better money. Why do I have this shittier money? Why? I can, I can at a press of a button, I can convert all my shitty money into hard money. And then that's when the wave happens. You know, that's when we go from 10% adoption to 100% adoption, literally in like months, you know, like it's going to be brutal. It's an interesting scenario. I mean, 
I think there's some percentage chance greater than zero than Wicked is correct, and there's there's a percentage chance that Mark is correct. So we basically we've got the spectrum here <laughs> represented in opinions. Something I am curious about, Mark, is do you think we're going to see a million dollars USD per Bitcoin? Oh, for sure, for sure. It's just, it's just a question of of timing, and so I actually don't. It's funny. I actually don't disagree with anything. Wicked said, I do think good money crowds out bad, and I do think Bitcoin is money, right? It. I don't think dollars are money. I don't think uh, yen are money. I don't think euros are money. I think they are currencies. I think Bitcoin, like gold, is money. It's an asset that exists in the absence of a liability. And so I totally agree. The challenge is behaviorally the requirement of lots of people on this call and lots of people around the world, there's whatever there are, 160, 180 million people who, who own this stuff. That number can't make number go up. You need billions to convert the lousy fiat into the good money. And the only way to do that is to have sellers. Just wait, just but fact. but well, no, because if if there's no sellers, then it it by definition is infinity. Like that's the price. No, Here's no, 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 you guys are equally on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> what Wicked is saying is that or what Mark is saying, there's going to be no sellers. And what Wicked saying is there's going to be only buyers. Look, I, I think it's somewhere probably going to be in the middle. There's always going to be sellers. You're, I don't think you're going to reach a hey, point. Hey, Alex, are there, any, are there, are there any, is there anybody willing to sell their gold for seashells? Or how about gold for salt? Like, no, the, when bad money dies, it dies. Nobody's willing to sell the good money anymore. And that's what happens. I don't know. I think an argument could be well, made that you might you might exchange gold for salt because salt's a useful commodity and that's a, just a transaction, right? But right. Well, I mean, that's, right. I, I, it, I, okay. Yeah. You, okay. We, we could go round and round on this particular issue for like the rest of the show. So we're going to move on because I don't think we're going to come to an agreement on this item. Um, I can I, I see merit in both of your arguments. I mean, I can I can see um, wicked. What you're talking about is a psychological effect right what i what i refer to as a phase transition in behavioral psychology i think that that's possible i, I think we could see that at some point and and like mark says it's a it's a function of timing will there ever be a situation where there's no sellers i doubt it i mean there's always going to be somebody at some price point that is that is willing to sell so and that's a, that's a behavioral thing too but could we see a big cascade i think we could no it's, a great, it, it's, it's a great point because I'll, I'll give you a perfect example so um, we invested a number of years ago in a, uh, a really sexy high-tech business called Five Minute Oil Change. Not sexy or high-tech. And the, the short version of Long Tails, dad founded the business, uh, decided to retire. Uh, daughters were like, I don't want the business. Give me the freaking money. Sell the business. Give me money. And that, that's what will happen, is there will be people who, who say, I need... I need the money. Now, what we could say, well, there won't be any other money. That's going to take a long or, time. Or, to, or everyone will accept Bitcoin for 
for their goods and services. So you won't need to. I mean, the money that you need will just be Bitcoin, right? I mean, yeah. we're gonna be able to we're gonna be able to buy stuff with Bitcoin in, in like a few months at most major retailers in the yeah, United States. Yeah, I think it's already happening. It's already happening. All right, let's move on. Again, we could we could we could go round and round on this thing forever. <laughs> um, quick, couple quick announcements, and then we're gonna we're gonna move on to some of these other questions. You are listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for about two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. It is the place for your morning news and Bitcoin. It's becoming a preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds of Bitcoin to come and talk about what's going on. It is also a podcast up on Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you get your podcasts. You can throw myself or Swan Bitcoin a follow to be notified of when those drop. Some really interesting stuff coming up, guys. Mark your calendar, September 28th, 29th, 30th timeframe. The Pacific Bitcoin Conference is coming to town. It's going to be in California. It's going to be fantastic. It is going to be Bitcoin only. Everyone, of course, is welcome to attend, um, but we are going to be heavily focused on Bitcoin, and it's going to be pure fire. There's lots of stuff in the works for what that's going to look like where it's going to be all the cool things that are going to happen there that i'm not going to divulge yet but <laughs> i will tell you i've seen some of the internal chats on this and it is going to be straight fantastic um i don't know who's next uh peter or puppy yeah, yeah hey, here mark. you go man thanks puppy hey mark um real quick uh first of all i want to say i'm really sad that that your father's not going to be able, I'd love to see the look on his face when he gets to make his first transaction outside of the legacy system, uh, boomer myself. And it's really amazing and empowering. Uh, so I'm sad about that, but I, I understand. Um, also, I, well, no, 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 I, I look, I appreciate you saying, cause look, I, <laughs> you know, I'm a boomer too. Right. And, uh, I agree with you that the issue is, um, there is a difference, believe it or not, between 60 and 80. And, you know, you don't believe it when you're going through it, but, but there is an interesting difference. And I, I'll, I'll recommit after, because of this conversation, I will recommit to try to get him to do it. I think that, I think that would be cool. So you've inspired me. Or you could do it the way I did it. Like I'm taking care of the self custody thing for my dad, who's in he's in his mid seventies, right? He does not trust the banks anymore, anymore. He used to, like Ow. many people in his generation. Ow. Let me finish. Ow. You're ruining you're ruining a good thing here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. I I'm not doing it for him because then he'll just yell at me. So I I I will commit right now live that I will get him to do it. So awesome. So, um, Mark, I, I also I also remember watching you on I think Bitcoin was at 11,000 or 8,000 or something like that. And I remember watching it live when you were on that panel and you said, oh, it's going past 20,000 or whatever it was you said. And I still remember thinking this guy is a complete fucking nutcase, but obviously proved <laughs> wrong. Um, so, you know, uh, my, you know, we've seen this is now 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 to my question. So we've seen all of these events, as Alex likes to say, you know, it's just more snow falling on the side of the mountain. That's eventually going to avalanche. We've seen all of these events that they attack on the petrodollar, um, you know, uh, uh, Russia going to trying to go to a gold standard, accepting Bitcoin uh, for oil. Uh, you know, the U.S. government looking into Bitcoin, Janet Yellen speaking intelligently about Bitcoin, the strike network, all of these things we've seen. Um, I, this is a two part question. One, 
I'm really curious to know what your thoughts are on China and how China is involved in this whole thing, um, because they've been awfully quiet since uh, uh, the Russians have invaded uh, the Ukraine. And also, you know, you have a lot of resources. I'm assuming you have a large team. Where are you looking that maybe none of us are looking for the next um, event that's uh, going to add some more snow onto the side of, uh, of this cliff? No, fantastic. So, um, and I appreciate, I appreciate, it's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said, a complete nut job. I, I do appreciate that. I, I, no, and the reason I say that, and I, I, I'm actually serious. The reason I say that, um, if you make an investment and you feel good about it, you're probably going to lose money. And if you feel really, really good about it, you're going to lose a lot of money. If you make an investment and you feel bad about it, you probably make some money. If you feel really uncomfortable, like really sick to your stomach, like complete nut job, you make a lot of money. And the funny part about that clip, so literally between the time I went on and the time, you know, Melissa asked me the question, the price had gone from 10,000 to 8,000, like right there in front of us. And and she said, you know, what should we do? I said, buy it. And, and the look on her face was just so priceless. I mean, I, 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 I should like blow it up and make a poster out of it. I said, well, well you, you, what? You'd always say that. No matter what the price. You went to 5,000, you'd say buy it. I'm like, yeah, I would. Buy it today. Buy it tomorrow. Buy it next week. Buy it next month. I didn't say buy it all at once. And, and that's, that's the point there. So, um, Crap! Now I now I forgot the first question. I remember the second question, but I forgot the it's, first question. It's uh, it's uh, what what's going on with China? And oh, then China! Okay, what's the next event? Okay, look, I have a hashtag for this. Hashtag China playing Go. China is playing a different game than everybody else. Right? We're all arguing in the West about how to set up the checkerboard to to play a game, or you know, and, and Russia is playing three D chess, and you know, he, and Putin is a grandmaster. Um, so. We're, we're just, you know, American, we're, we're, we're still stuck on, on how do we set up a chessboard. China's playing a completely different game. If you know anything about Go, Go is, is not about frontal attack like checkers or chess. It's, it's about relative advantage and you play multiple places on the board. And, and what they're doing is they have had a plan for the last 30 years and for the next 30 years. So the, for the first 30 years, from 1990 to 2020, the plan was a harmonious rise to build a moderately prosperous socialism economy. And what that meant was to basically lift 700 million people out of abject poverty and create the largest middle class in the history of the world. Mission accomplished. They did exactly that. And they wanted to become a world reserve currency, which they did. It is one of the currencies in the SDR. Now their next 30-year plan, which was adopted a year and a half ago, is to become a dominant socialism economy, aka a superpower. That is a little less, you know, like a harmonious rise is very non-threatening. This is not non-threatening. And they want to have the world reserve currency. So before Bitcoin becomes a world reserve currency, I actually believe the renminbi will become the world reserve currency. And it's already starting, right? The alignment 
of China and Russia during this little conflict, I will argue, was orchestrated, not by Russia, but by China, to get currency, I mean, I, I'm sorry, to get oil transactions and gas transactions denominated not in dollars. Because part of the reason we're in the mess we're in today and part of the reason Bitcoin exists is because of a little deal that the U.S. cut with Saudi Arabia in 1974, where we said, all right, we will go off the gold standard so long as you, Saudis, and, and oh, by the way, and we will protect Saudi at all costs, uh, regardless of the cost, uh, if you price all, current, all oil transactions in dollars so we could have the petrodollar. And so today... 8%, 8 single digit percent of global trade is with the United States, but 60, 60% of global transactions are priced in dollars. So anyone who threatened that US dollar hegemony uh, was immediately wiped out. So Saddam Hussein said, I'm going to price in euros, wiped out. Qaddafi said, uh, I'm going to price in gold, wiped out. However, if you were a nuclear power, Russia or China, can't wipe you out. So China says, we are going to price oil transaction now in renminbi. Hmm. What do we do about that? Well, we can't do anything about that. So China is aligning themselves to become the dominant player in the whole Belt and Road Initiative and lining up all the population in Southeast Asia. I mean, people have no idea. You know, Indonesia has 300 million people, close to 300 million people. India, you know, 1.2 billion people. China, 1.4 billion people. All of this is aligning with this China block, and Russia is now folding into that. And the West is going to be left with a decaying, aging, you know, population with declining wealth. And I think that's that's a bad plan. So I. I think China is deliberate in the reason they banned Bitcoin exchanges and the exchanges fled to Japan and South Korea. Then they banned miners and the miners fled to Kazakhstan and, and West Texas is they have already a central bank digital currency. It's not just for surveillance, although it's a big part of it. It's mostly to facilitate global transactions away from the dollar. So. That's my view on on China. Second part of your question um, about wait, you said we have big team and see it what, what 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 event are you looking for that oh, we're not? Yeah, seeing? we're not. So so I I'm a huge believer that that the protocols in Web three and I use Web three a little differently than other people, but to me. Uh, Web one was all about the the transition from 80, 80 internet protocols to five. So, you know, we basically started with a whole bunch of protocols competing with one another in the 60s and 70s. And Vint Cerf created this thing called TCPIP. And then Tim Berners-Lee came along in 1991 and wrote the first web page. And the rest is history. So today we have TCP IP at the base layer, which we're all using right now. And then on top of that, we have FTP to transfer files. We have SMTP to transfer emails. We have HTTP for web pages. And we have www. that ties it all together. I actually believe that in Web3, we'll have Bitcoin as the base layer. Filecoin replaces FTP. At the top, 
is Ethereum, like the www. It's a toolkit that will allow other things to be built and apps to be built on top of it. And then in the middle, in, in my mind, there are four things vying for HTTP, SMTP, or you know, whatever that is, uh, in the middle. And that's uh, Cosmos, um, Polkadot, Solana, and Avalanche. Uh, we made a big bet early on Solana. Uh, we're harvesting that today. Uh, we're making a big bet on Avalanche now. Um, and that'll get announced here recently or, or, or soon. Um, but we like that. Beyond that, there are so many incredible opportunities in the application layers being built on top of the base layers. And uh, if we think of Bitcoin as a base layer, uh, Strike is a great example of an application that uses that base layer to transfer money. Uh, on top of that, we'll have layer threes uh, eventually, same way that Visa is a layer three on top of banks, on top of Fedwire. And I think all of that uh, legacy system will transition into these layer twos and layer threes. So I think there are tremendous opportunities. There's, there's massive opportunities in, in play to earn and gaming and the conversion of time into value. You know, if you think about everything in our life is about converting value or energy into value, right? We get up, fuel our bodies, we create value. Hopefully we're trying to do some right now. Uh, Bitcoin is the perfect conversion of, val of energy into value, particularly stranded energy like natural gas and, and other things. Um, but it's a perfect value storage device. But in addition to that, there are other ways that we can convert time into value, whether it is you know, gaming uh, elements, uh, decentralized versions of things that we take for granted, like Lyft and Uber. Like, why does somebody who wrote code 10 years ago get 30% of every ride I take in Lyft? Doesn't make any sense. In the future, the riders and the drivers will own that probably through a DAO structure um, and we'll have decentralized. So all of those applications will emerge and we'll, we'll, have, we'll have tremendous opportunities. So our fund today invests 70% in equity in businesses. So we invest in exchanges, we invest in tools, we invest in software. Uh, we're right now we're investing in hardware. We're about to announce a deal with uh, a better ASIC, uh, four times better than the new chip that Intel just announced. Uh, Israeli tech, going to be American made. It's going to be dominant. Um, we invest in devices uh, like hardware and storage devices. Uh, I think wallets is a massive play. The problem there is you got somebody needs to be a consumer-led company so that the wallet becomes as ubiquitous as the iPhone that all of us are holding on to right now. So, um, what else are we looking at? So, and then thirty percent so of what we do is all in, of this, in tokens. All many of these different things like uh, there's so so many things to talk about with all the stuff you just brought up i really wish <laughs> you had brought this up at the front end of the show because uh this is a very sort of bitcoiner space and i know many of the people in this room right now are like wow let's dig into this um want to be respectful of your time mark i know you uh 
we're we're scheduled only till the 45 minute mark so i don't know how long you can hang out but i can hang out till noon i mean again i don't want to steal time from jeff either so um but i'll hang out as long as you guys i mean well i'll hang out until 12 if you want me or i'll i'll you know drop off now and and come back again all right cool so um let's <laughs> lots of the stuff that you said i personally don't agree with um there's not a lot of time to dig into it. However, let's hit a couple of last things before we wrap up. I mean, the show is going to end here in about seven minutes. So let's let Pubby go. We'll let Snow go. Um, I would love to do a, a, a session where Corey, the CEO of Swan, and you get to, to talk to each other about this kind of stuff. But let's go with Pubby for now, and, and we'll keep rolling. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Hey, <laughs> that that was just epic. Uh, what I just heard for thirty minutes. Um, I started with one question. I think I went through fifteen and have observations. Uh, one of the, one thing you guys are talking about, uh, you know, the, the number one rule in Bitcoin is that you get Bitcoin at the price you deserve. The only rule that's more more true than that is that everybody has their price. Okay, and we're talking about whether or not you're going to sell down the road. Who's going to sell? Well, eventually, everyone's going to have their price. When you see what happened in Canada. You see people that um, are in Russia having bank accounts frozen. Eventually, everyone is going to see the value of a decentralized uh, system that they control their own keys. And to get it, they will either discount something or raise the price of Bitcoin to a point where even I can't refuse. Maybe I'll give up some Satoshis for that. Uh, I, was, I know this is for our time. You can probably do a two-hour special with Mark on this. Uh, I was just curious what your thoughts were Um on the unfolding of hyper hyper Bitcoinization, I know I know some view it as, look, there's no more dollars, there's no more cash, there's no more anything. All we do is we run around with our phones and our we got our, our cold storage and lightning wallets, and everyone just pays for everything in Bitcoin. Um, to me, my my definition of hyper Bitcoinization is when everyone in the world realizes they need at least some exposure. They need to get one percent, two percent. With CBDCs coming, they're going to understand that this is the only thing that's going to keep them away from the government. Um, didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. I, I know you were running late on time. Uh, maybe do another show. No, no, look, it's such a good point, Pubby. I, I just, here's the thing. The, the case for hyper-Bitcoinization, where everything, which is what Wicked was talking about, where everything is Bitcoin and Bitcoin is money. It's elegant and logical. And it's, and it's kind of hard to argue against. My only problem with it is getting from here to there. And to your point, everyone has a price. Even the people who said, I'll never sell, there, there's a price. And, and part of it has to do with, well, at some point, your, your total worth is enough that you will carve off a little bit to uh, you know, pay for goods and services or, or whatever it is. And so... I think it would have to be more like a phase shift, almost like when when water becomes steam, right? The 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 molecules start to vibrate and then poof, it just happens. And so again, that is a longer conversation for another day. But I, I do think in the short run, there are people that have a price. Now, a lot of people sold at five hundred, a lot of people sold at a thousand because they bought it at ten dollars and they thought they'd made all the money in the world. And now they're sad they bought it. Or sad they sold it. But I think the the other challenges are like I was with a developer uh, up in New York the other day, and he was saying that they are actually integrated. And I hate this thing. Like I, I'm I've gone on TV and told said it's, it's worthless, right? Saying that they're going to make Doge 
a payment rail. I'm like, oh God, don't even use that word. I just hate this freaking thing. But his point was, look, enough people own it today that we can use it. So it won't go up in price. It'll literally be like a stable coin and we'll just use it to make micropayments on our social network. I'm like, Jesus, that's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And I, I don't want there to be a good idea around a stupid idea, Doge. So, but I do think there will be other things like that, that emerge that obviate the need for everything to be done in Bitcoin. Because getting from Bitcoin is digital gold, where it is today, and it's a piece of people's portfolio to where it's all that exists and it is all 86 trillion of global M2, where it probably should be, it's just hard. It's just hard to get there. Yep. All right. Uh, Snow, go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Alex. And uh, Mark, it was nice seeing you in Miami. Uh, always give me time to chat, even though you always have like 10 people trying to talk to you. So it was, it was nice. That to was see good you. to see you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring up, I think, um, obviously, you know, disclaimer, I'm going to talk about two companies that uh, Trammell Venture Partners invested in. So anytime someone's talking about their own companies, you know, you want to like give that disclaimer. But I think um, when you're talking about the Web3 stuff, you know, from a lot of the Bitcoiners perspective, like 70% of this is the classic Lynn Alden point, like 70% of the Ethereum nodes are run by one company in Fura, which, which relies on AWS. So there's kind of like a simple kill switch behind a lot of Ethereum, the whole DeFi ecosystem. Um, which to call these things decentralized seems pretty tough for a lot of the Bitcoiners. And yep. I think in uh, like just juxtaposition, I see like impervious, like impervious is layer three on top of Bitcoin lightning. And it's kind of mixed. It's mixing, you know, a little bit of lightning and Tor, a little bit of the DID standard, the open source from Microsoft. that's also being used with squares, uh, you know, TB Dex project. Um, and so kind of taking all of those and wrapping it into like an easy to use browser interface. I think that's things like that. And we just invested in the company Vita where, you know, you basically set a rate via sats in the lightning network. If someone wants to message or call you, it's kind of like a higher signal LinkedIn. Yep. And so I think, um, and, and just in general with, I think, you know, Bitcoin being a payment and currency system and kind of, you know, why would everything need to anchor on Bitcoin? I think a lot of it just comes down to like lightning. I think a lot of us would maybe think lightning might be able to obfuscate the, the intended use case of most of the altcoins. You know, I think maybe if a few protocols exist, they'll probably be utility, uh, but I don't think any is going to beat either store value or, or currency. Again, I, I don't quibble with the points, and but a couple problems. One, lightning ain't close <laughs> to be in there, right? Just, just isn't, isn't well built out enough well-functioning enough. Um, it's not there. Now, can it get there? I actually think it could. And, and, and to the point, is it, is it possible that we go to a single chain world? Is it, is it possible, right? Is it possible you could have a single chain world with lightning on top and then level three software on top of that possible but it it's also not necessarily inevitable because the law of increasing returns says it's not the best technology that always wins it's the one that gets critical mass first so there is a case 
and and I don't quibble with any of your points on on Ethereum, and and you could throw on a whole nother one that you know maybe it was actually created again back to the whole CIA thing. Maybe it was created as the centralized form of a decentralized you know uh, mantra to to allow the the reconfiscation at some point. But we don't have to go down that rabbit hole just to say it's too concentrated. It's not truly decentralized, and proof of stake arguably makes it even worse because proof of work is the best form of of value preservation if you think about networks so but that said let's just use stablecoin so i was on the panel with um oh what's her name oh gosh so bad um she's the venture capitalist who's like she, she has bitcoin only fund i can't believe i can't think of her oh, name. at stillmark what was it? Elise Colleen. Elise Colleen. Yeah, Elise. So, and Elise was like, you know, Bitcoin, stablecoin is the kill shot. I'm like, well, okay. Technologically, don't disagree with you. But are you really going to displace $256 billion of USDC? I don't know. It's hard. It doesn't mean that, that USDC is, is, great per se but so I, I i i wouldn't quibble with the logic of build on bitcoin think of it as tcpip and everything builds on top of it to this better future but at least right now we do have a multi-chain world and a lot of stuff's getting built on these other chains and once they're installed it might, I have to say might, might be easier to have cross-chain technology than blow up everything and start back on, on Bitcoin only. I, again, but Mark, I, I'm just curious, isn't a lot of that marketing and hype? I, I don't disagree that there's a lot of stuff out there, but the real use case for it and need, I, I would argue, and I, I would just say I'm obviously not everyone but you know i'm almost a boomer the last thing i want to do is to keep up with all different types of quote-unquote coins bitcoin is serves every need i have personally again really important point right for technology to be successful it has to become invisible it has to become invisible and and I said, I can't explain how I'm talking in a metal and glass box and it turns into some signal and you guys are hearing it real time. And it's going through the airwaves and across fiber optic and cellular. It just makes no sense to me. But I don't have to think about it because it's invisible to me. And so you're right. No one is going to, did I store it on my MetaMask wallet or did I put it in my Coinbase account or did I do it on my ledger? Mm -mm. There has to be the killer app and there is going to be one. The killer app is going to be created just like the browser was created, just like the iPhone was created. There's going to be a killer app. We've actually bet on Ledger. Maybe that wasn't a good bet, but we think they're going to become the Apple of, of the future. Um, but I think there, somebody's going to come up with that killer wallet slash interface and whether it runs multi-chain or single coin, runs on Bitcoin, I, I don't know that that's decided yet. And so we could talk for hours and hours and hours, and we probably should talk for hours and hours and hours and get a lot of other smarter people than me, because I'm, I'm definitely not the, the expert here. Um, 
I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate you listening to me ramble for an hour. Uh, and I really appreciate everything you guys do making this space available so everybody can, can learn on a daily basis. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Appreciate you coming on, Mark. I mean, your, your views are very counterpoint to, to many of the views held by people in this space. We, as you mentioned, we could probably go on for hours. I'm glad that we can have a, a respectful conversation about it. Perhaps sometime in the future, Corey's in the audience, he's listening. Perhaps he would like to come up here and do a discussion with you as a counterpoint to a lot of your views. Um, I don't agree with a lot of them, but we are flat out out of time. So I uh, do appreciate you being here. No, no, great. And look, strong opinions, loosely held. Uh, I change my mind all the time. One of the things I hate is when people go back on Twitter and say, oh, you said this four years ago. I'm like, dude, I changed my mind 17 times in the last four years. So dialogue and debate in search of truth is the greatest thing in the world. Alex, I would love to do it anytime. Yeah, 100% agree. And I, and I feel like, you know, in this space, we try to encourage dialogue and debate. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think it's really the only way to find the truth. So do appreciate it. Um, I'm a seeker of truth. I know the people that hang out here regularly are also seekers of truth. Want to get there for sure. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. It is a great place to get your morning news in Bitcoin. It is becoming a preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds to just chill, talk about what's going on. This is also a podcast. It's up on Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you get your podcasts. You can throw, throw me a follow or Swan Bitcoin a follow to be notified of when those drop. Thanks to everybody for being here. If you're new to Bitcoin, you want to learn about Bitcoin, this is a great place to do it. Uh, we talk about the full spectrum from, from the very basics to the technology to the macro, all of it. Uh, Thanks to Swan Bitcoin and Bitcoin Magazine, my crew, Aunt Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob Pope. My name is Alex Stanzik, and I am your host. I work with Swan Bitcoin. Swan is an excellent way to learn about Bitcoin. We have the swanbitcoin.com slash canon. It's a great place to learn, um, as well as a great place to stack Bitcoin if you want to convert garbage fiat into Bitcoin. We specialize in that. Uh, love to help you with that. You can shoot me a DM. Um, happy to help you. If, if you're a business owner, you want to put Bitcoin on your balance sheet, it's a great way to do it. And then finally, uh, for all of you who are here, get on the mission. If you don't know what that means, it simply means we are in the process of teaching the whole world, really, as much as we possibly can, spreading the word, helping people on the arc, so to speak, because in my personal opinion, Bitcoin is the only peaceful path forward. And we definitely need to get everybody aware of this thing as fast as we possibly can. I love all of you guys. Everybody go out there and have a great day. Crush it. <laughs>